In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. The second Sunday of Easter is sometimes nicknamed Low Sunday. It's not meant to mean Low Energy Sunday, but it is sometimes that, Um, especially at the Church of the Holy Trinity. We've given most of the choir the day off. Um, They'll all be here in full force on Saturday and next Sunday. But thanks to those who are here today and to those who are in the congregation. I'm reminded of what one of the Wesleys is reported to have said that no one has an excuse not to sing, because those who can sing well should sing loudly to praise God. Those who sing poorly should sing loudly to get even. (laughs) For the rest of the service, I hope to hear you. (laughs) The second Sunday of Easter is traditionally one where we hear the story of St. Thomas the Apostle. And I wonder today what they're doing downtown, in Midtown, at the grand and majestic church of St. Thomas Fifth Avenue. People often get it mixed up with St. Patrick's when they're walking around Midtown and looking for a church. And depending on who I'm talking to, I'll sometimes say, no, 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 St. Thomas is the really tasteful, beautiful one. (laughs) St. Patrick's is the one that's really big and garish. St. Thomas, if you haven't been in, um, you should go. It's an amazing space. Um, behind the altar is, um, is a wall of carvings, a reredos, and it's reported to be the largest one in any church. Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it is amazing. And you can just look for hours and hours. It's a great gift when the sermon is boring because you can always find something to look at. It's sort of like the stained glass in our church. At St. Thomas, all the disciples are there, but there just above the altar is who you think would be there. It's St. Thomas the Apostle there with Jesus. One architectural um, writer who writes about that space describes this particular image of St. Thomas as kneeling before Christ, his doubt gone. As beautiful and majestic and grand as the Church of St. Thomas is, I wonder if it doesn't sort of try too hard to prove the faith and the belief of Thomas. Um, certainly when the church was built, that was the intention, to show that, um, that if Thomas ever had a doubt, it was removed. You can just look at this church and see it's his faith in stone and light and glass. But for me, I would like to think that there is somewhere and somehow a monument um, to the doubting Thomas, to the skeptical Thomas, to the Thomas that, that wonders, that, that searches, that, that isn't so easily calmed by what everyone else tells him is true. We meet Thomas the Apostle in various places in the scriptures. Um, His name actually means twin in Aramaic. Thoma means twin. And some have supposed that he was Matthew's twin brother. Earlier in John's gospel, when they hear that their friend Lazarus has died, it's Thomas who wants to go with Jesus. 
sensing danger and having no idea or care for what's ahead. Um, Thomas doesn't have doubt then. He's full of faith and he wants to follow Jesus forward. Let us go with the Lord so that we may die with him if necessary, Thomas says. When Jesus is later giving his farewell discourse to the disciples, he talks about going down a road into a place where the disciples will not be able to follow. But again, it's Thomas who speaks up out of some sort of faith. Thomas says, but Lord, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus affirms that no, they really do know. Because if they know him, then they will know his destination. Jesus explains, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so follow me. Thomas is with the disciples when they're fishing. Then Jesus appears to them. And and Thomas sometimes seems the more theologically alert than the other disciples. He, He asks the penetrating question. Thomas urges Jesus to explain himself. The early church revered Thomas and, in fact, understood Thomas as the author of another gospel, the gospel according to Thomas. There's a collection of sayings called the Acts of Thomas, and there's even an Apocalypse of Thomas. Tradition has it that Thomas sailed to India and spread the good news of the gospel there. And the tradition says that after a life of preaching and working among the poor in India, he was martyred there. But Thomas's body was taken to Edessa, where his relics are now still an important source of inspiration in the Syrian church. And so Thomas is thought to be a father of Indian and Syrian Christianity, and Thomas continues to inspire. A more recent poet and priest who teaches up at Yale Divinity School, Thomas Troger, has put the life of Thomas into a hymn. We just sang of Thomas's life in one hymn. Troger has a more contemporary one. He writes, These things did Thomas hold for real, the warmth of blood, the chill of steel, the grain of wood, the heft of stone, the last frail twitch of blood and bone. His brittle certainties denied that one could live when one had died until his fingers read like braille the markings of the spear and nail. May we, O God, by grace believe and in believing still receive the Christ who held his raw palms out and beckoned Thomas from his doubt. It wasn't enough for Thomas simply to hear about the resurrection from Mary Magdalene and from the other disciples. It it wasn't enough for Thomas to believe by hearing from the two who were on the road to Emmaus. Thomas's faith came much more slowly and stubbornly. He had to consider everything. He wanted as much information as he could get. Thomas's faith was different from theirs. What appears to others like doubt or indecision or even a lack of faith, for Thomas simply is his faith. It's a different kind of faith. It's his way of faith. It's a faith that was willing to struggle, was was looking for truth deeply, was trying to weigh the evidence, and then and only then could move forward. Jesus had already appeared to the other disciples. He had breathed on them the very spirit of God, and they were spirit-filled. They shared in the resurrection as it brought them some sort of new life, and it filled them with the very life of God. 
It began to move them out of this locked room and into the world. But Thomas hadn't been with them. And so Thomas said out loud, Until I see in his hands the point of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And so on the eighth day, that day of new creation, symbolically a new thing, Seven days make a week. The eighth day is something new entirely. And so on this eighth day, the day of new possibilities and unimagined miracles, Jesus appears again. Peace be with you, Jesus says. And then Jesus offers himself this resurrected body that still bears wounds, wounds that are transformed and changed The gospel doesn't tell us whether Thomas actually touches the wounds. It it leaves the story unfinished, and there's a lot of room for our imagination. We can look at art history for some guidelines, for some further um, conversation around the issue. Uh, Rembrandt has a great painting of Thomas and Jesus entitled The Incredulity of Thomas. And in that painting, Jesus stands there showing the wound in his side. The disciples are all amazed and they look on with wonder. And Thomas stands back in surprise, kind of in shock. But Thomas is at a distance. It's Caravaggio that goes closer, that goes deeper. Uh, Caravaggio's painting is much more explicit. It's darker, it's more intimate, it's, it's more sensual, it's more shocking, really. And in Caravaggio's, Thomas places his finger in the wound. As in the Gospel of John itself, some believe with signs, some believe without. St. Thomas stands not only as the father of Indian and Syrian Christianity, but I think he also can stand in as patron saint for anyone, anywhere, whose faith doesn't come easily. Thomas stands with and on behalf of those whose faith always includes a measure of doubt, a little bit of suspicion, maybe even a little cynicism. Thomas reminds us that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to wonder. It's okay even to be a little suspicious. Since for him, for us perhaps, Suspicion is what eventually leads to sainthood. In just a few minutes, we will baptize Sebastian. And part of what the church bases the baptism of children and even babies on is the fact that we never know everything. At what age could we possibly stand and account for the fullness of our faith? When could we ever explain the mysteries of Holy Communion or baptism? Never, probably, not this side of heaven. And so why not? Sebastian's answers are probably as good, if not better, than most of ours. And so we baptize with great joy and with great excitement that today marks a significant day in his life as we get splashed with holy water and remember our own baptisms. It it reminds us that with Easter joy, every new day brings a new opportunity for faith for doubt, for struggle, for learning, for growth, and for love. Especially on this second Sunday of Easter, may we be honest with our doubts 
and honest in our beliefs, knowing that wherever we may be, God loves us more than we can imagine and wants to come to us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 